Welcome back to this week's episode of Quoting Life, reeling the stories of the past shape your future. On this week's episode, we have the pleasure of having a conversation with Addy. Addy has a variety of different experiences from Walmart all the way through different roles in marketing and sales. But perhaps the most important thing we touched upon with Addy was the importance of just taking a pause. So much of us just go through day and out without thinking and stopping just for a second. We're consumed of social media and the algorithms and constantly scrolling through our phones, where the only time we get to think are in the showers. And so no wonder your best ideas come in the shower. And so I encourage you to listen to this episode and just take the time to listen. And perhaps maybe after you're listening to this episode, you'll realize the importance of feeling bored and just taking your time to think for yourself. One last thing before this conversation starts. It would mean the world if you could just take a second to hit that subscribe button and follow us or leave a like on our episode. In exchange, I promise that I will bring you the best possible conversations. This is just a start for quoting life, and we have so much more planned. I can't wait for you to come along for the ride. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy the rest of the conversation. Adi, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So typically, the first questions we like to ask, Adi, is your earliest context. And why I think it's so important is because our parents growing up, are the two first managers, as my boss likes to put it. And I think it's so interesting when you start asking people about how they were raised, you really get an insight onto how they were initially managed. And I think that's so crucially important to understanding how someone is today. And so asking you that question, what was your earliest context? How was your life growing up? Growing up? Um, oh my. Growing up was a very... I mean, a lot of great memories growing up. Um, I think a lot of stuff that I've done has shaped me into where I am today. And I think shaped a large part of what I've been interested in. Um, of course, parents play a large role in that and siblings because they form how you think or you cut, you're, you're impacted by their way of thinking as well. Um, for me, a couple of things that my family really encouraged me to do, um, which which has changed me and made me who I am. Um, they were really into like traveling. They were really into getting me into a lot of sports teams um, and like just experiencing different sports. Mm. And I, now that I think back to that, um, just like getting into sports team has made me really resilient, really persistent um, to go and get things or work with a team, work with people. Mm. Um, or if I think about traveling, it's just... The inherent curiosity of wanting to go to a place, experiencing something totally new, going outside of your comfort zone, um, just being very curious in general. So I feel like a lot of what we don't realize it, but the more you reflect, the more you realize that you're actually impacted so much by your upbringing as well. Yeah, I was a big soccer fan growing up, and I, I always find it so funny because any life situation, I could always find an analogy with it through soccer. And it really yeah. just goes to show you how impactful sports can be growing up. And I think definitely if I had kids, that would be, you know, the number one thing I would do. Um, so, yeah. yeah. What specifically about sports do you think, like, was useful? What, what sports did you, did you play growing up? Um, so I've always been into soccer. I still yeah. play to this day. Uh, I can't count the number of years. Um, but I've done a lot of team sports, honestly. I've done basketball. I've done mm -hmm. Or I've done in India when I grew up in India, uh, we were really into cricket, so I used to play mm. a lot of cricket. Um, for me, team sports was something that I've always been interested in as compared to individual ones. Mm. Um, 
But I think what you learn the most with sports is how do you work with people? How do you work with different personalities? Which honestly, now that I've graduated and you have to work, you don't have a choice with the different personality of people. Um, it's great to learn how to communicate with them and how to work together towards a common objective. Um, and then the other part, I think that I really appreciate about myself is the amount of resilience that I have. Like, And that goes into university experience too. There are times where coming as an international student, it was definitely very tough, but mm -hmm. it's all uh, just getting back up, picking yourself up and moving on, learning from your experiences and um, learning what to do next time, what not to do. Um, the resilience is really, really key, especially when you start applying for jobs, start mm -hmm. applying maybe in first year clubs and services, because um, you're not always going to get the first thing you want or your dream job. So it shows up in a lot of different ways. Um, but I really appreciate myself for just having that resilience. After coming to Canada, I know it's probably pretty, pretty unnatural to be in a completely new environment. And it's in a space of discomfort where I believe most of us find the most growth. And it's constantly pushing for that discomfort where you grow to be a better person. Mm -hmm. And I understand you've done, you, you were part of the student community here. You had a role in CUS sustainability amongst some other student involvements. Did you oftentimes find yourself reaching for those moments of discomfort and trying to push yourself out there, put yourself outside of your comfort circle? Yeah, uh, honestly, so many times, even like just taking CUS sustainability out of the equation, um, I was really interested in getting marketing experiences at that time. Mm -hmm. But then I started thinking that, okay, I do have this one marketing oppor experience opportunity. How can I better myself by just putting myself out there and learning um, a lot more the, from a different experience? So did you guys go to the Spark by any chance? Yeah. Which is, yeah, the first year orientation. Yeah. So for in Spark 2016, I actually applied to be the logistics coordinator. And mm. completely different from marketing, right? But for me, it was about... I know my weaknesses where I'm, I'm not really the most organized person. I'm not really great at thinking through process as compared to marketing strategy or something like that. Um, and those are the skills that I wanted to improve myself on. So I just applied for the logistics role and I got in. Um, and then I was definitely outside of my comfort zone because supply chain, logistics, definitely not my thing. If it was, I would have gone for that as a contemplation mm. or an option. Um, but yeah, it was just a really good experience in just working on myself. Um, knowing that I don't know anything that I've put myself into and then finding ways to make it work and do a really good job while I'm at it. Um, so that that particular experience for me was completely outside of what I would ever have thought I would do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yesterday I was just speaking to this person and I think they had a really similar mindset to what you had when you applied to the operations and logistics role, in the sense where they tried to be a really well-rounded person. And um, they, so what, what they suggested to me was to learn physics, learn economics, learn history, learn 
a lot of things that otherwise you may not realize. And an example they used to illustrate why that could be useful was the theory of critical mass in physics. So they were a startup founder and um, during the process, right now they're trying to do some capital raising and start um, the theory of critical mass comes from physics in the sense where you need a certain amount of this element in order for chain reaction to go off. And until you hit that point, there's not so much of a reaction. And the way they related it to um, fundraising was at the start, it can be really slow, really tedious, and you might not see any outcomes at all. But eventually, there's a certain point in your goal where if you hit it, everything just goes off and maybe yeah. the last bit is accelerated. So do you have any of these models, like examples that may guide your life or that you've discovered through stepping out of your comfort zone and doing something new? I think the, the theory of critical mass is very interesting. I think I did entrepreneurship at Sauter and we actually also learned about it because it's, it's not just fundraising, it's not just physics, it's running a business. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've taken, maybe you've taken the entrepreneurship course. If um, I don't know if it's mandatory. I took it as an elective in first year. Um, but what we learned is when you start a business, you start going up gradually and then there's this point where there's a, it's called the Morse chasm, which is like a, literally a hole. Um, either you go into the hole or you go over it. And if you go over it, that's your critical mass. If you go over mm-hmm. it, then you start growing exponentially. Your business starts doing really well. Um, you're putting little less time as compared to the what you're getting out of it. So I think that definitely applies to just thinking about a business or a company as a whole. Um, for me, in terms of, again, thinking about how I put myself in more uncomfortable situations, um, it's always been going back to what I said, knowing what I don't know, that knowing that I don't know something. So, and the deeper impact that had on me uh, or that drove it for me is the curiosity itself. When Mm -hmm. you're in an environment where you accept that you don't know anything about it, um, all you really have to do is start asking the whys and start digging a little deeper to understand, um, to really get an understanding of that. Um, and there are many other concepts around curiosity, but I think the favorite one for me is just the five whys. So the concept really, what it really means is taking something at face value versus asking five levels of why mm-hmm. will really help you get to the root cause. Because if you can get to the root cause, that's really the most important thing, right? Um, like even even uh, looking at a job posting, right? They're going to say certain sentences or bullet points in the responsibility. Mm-hmm. But the more you ask, okay, why do they care about this certain um, experience? Then you start digging into, oh, this is really the soft skill that they actually care about. Mm. Uh, and when you realize that, then it becomes a lot easier to job search or just honestly anything. Um, you just really need to be curious and really you need that drive to understand the problem at the root cause. Um, so that's really helped me, especially in these kind of situations where uh, which are more uncomfortable. Yeah, it's so interesting. I remember my dad telling me about the five whys one. I must have been 14 at the time, probably. 
told me all the five whys. And I did it. I was using it in so many different things. I was um, applying, whether it was like homework or whether it was just reflecting on myself. And it's so interesting because I was speaking about this with someone the other day that because of, I think, social media and how we we're so prone to just consume, consume all the time. None of us actually take the time to think about, okay, where's my life going? Okay. Am I doing everything with intention right now? Well, a lot of us are just kind of living and going through the motions. Um, so yeah, no, no, I just, I find it so interesting how people yeah. don't take the time to ask themselves the five whys. It's so, it's so interesting. Like it's, it's not even your professional life. If you think about your personal love life, I'm not going to turn this into like a, a discussion on relationships, but it, it applies everywhere. Like having to understand your partner, but actually understanding what they're really trying to get at. That's when you can form a bond. And then in a workspace too, if someone's assigning you a task, um, really understanding what they are, what is the greater thing that they're trying to achieve um, can be very much a, uh, like the understanding of it can really push you to work towards it or look at things from a different angle as compared to just carrying out a task. Um, I think for me, the clicking moment was when I was working at Walmart and then we were just talking about like our website traffic is down for a specific category, which was um, our bedding category. So bedding mm-hmm. like bed sheets and all that um and naturally if your if your sales are down for betting on e-commerce you start thinking i need to drive people onto the website so they can buy more but then that's where i realized like let's actually understand the problem so so from asking the whys you realize oh people are actually landing on the page but not buying um so then he has the why again like, why are they not buying most likely in that case what it happened to me is they don't they have so many requirements for let's say a bed frame that they want to buy um that it's not easy for them to go through the entire page for every product and understand like this is the one i want um and it ended up being a very simple solution we just put a bunch of filters on the left left side of the page where you can select i want a king bed Mm -hmm. i want soft mattress or you know um i want this particular um design style Uh, and that makes that experience really easy um but what i'm trying to get at is just digging into the problem itself you can figure out how to creatively solve for it um, but it only mm-hmm. comes from being curious and saying okay why does this problem exist and letting keep going at it yeah no it's it's definitely so interesting i find even sometimes that you know doing quoting life will encounter some problem and we right. try to just whatever the first conclusion is we just jump to that instead of actually wait is that really the reason or is there something else behind it um and it's yeah. so interesting how do you, I know you manage different teams. How do you encourage that through your teams? Because, okay, sure, the five Y framework is one way of thinking about it. But then to actually implement that through your team as a framework of thinking is a different story. So how do you actually implement yeah. that framework of thinking of, okay, guys, let's take a minute and what is that next potential problem if we dig deeper? Um, I think it comes down to what level of information is being handed off to you. Like if someone is just saying that, Again, uh, people are not buying the sales, so we need to start putting people. My quite my first question would be: Are we certain that that the issue at hand is that people are not buying because they're not coming onto the website? Have we really tried to dig into what the actual root cause is? Um, I feel like that kind of trickles down uh, when you start thinking like that. It it trickles onto the team members as well. Um, Nothing in particular I've done, but it's just, I think when they see what your manager and how they're 
thought process is. Um, it really helps. But what I find the most impressive is when people come in with that that sort of a mindset. And that's, that's really important for me when um, I'm talking to people who could potentially be joining the team is um, seeing how curious they are. Uh, because if they are curious, then that's a really important soft skill to have. Uh, not just like in marketing. I think it's very important to have like I said, just in general, in your personal life, or if you have your own business, and um, I think it it can it can help you push the boundaries a lot more. Yeah. Right now, I believe that marketing works with a huge amount of data, right? From from customers oh, yeah. and everyone yeah. who visits the website, and oftentimes I hear concerns that like, hey. Like I want, I want my privacy. I want this and that to like not track me. And oftentimes myself, like I'd be on this website browsing this thing. And then all of a sudden on some other website, like in some other area of the internet, I'd see an ad for what I was just searching for. And it's pretty crazy how like everything is like customized to you and the experience is like really tailored to you when you're being tracked on the internet. However, I guess there's also the privacy side. So yesterday I was trying to find some cheap flights, I guess. And I heard something like strategy to find cheap flights is to block the cookies on website. However, like on Expedia and Airbnb, after I blocked the cookies, the website just didn't work anymore. And yeah, so I realized, hey, there's like no way out of this. And as someone on the other side, as a marketer yourself, do you see like Oh okay. Sorry, could you say the last part again? Like like just someone on the other side, that's where I heard it until. Like as someone who uses the data, who like collects the data yeah. from customers visiting the website, do you do you see any like catastrophic events that could happen in the future or any misuse of the data that can like hinder our personal like web browsing? Um, I, I feel I'm of the same opinion as you where I see the good side and the bad side of it. Like mm. first, I sometimes I like it. Like if I'm looking at a product and then a week later you're telling me there's a deal. I'm happy with that, like, because I'm looking at the product I'm interested, like, give it to me um, for a cheaper price. I'll take it. Uh, but then, yeah, there's definitely the whole privacy side of it, where how do you protect yourself from yeah. your information? I mean, in some cases, companies sell your information, too. And we we know that for a few social media companies that have done that with their vendors. Mm. Um, so it's a tricky balance. I think from my side, finding the balance of how you market people just comes down to the person handling the data and how they work with it. So mm. it was a pretty interesting example at uh, can, I, can, I, can I say names? I don't know. Uh, I'll just say yeah. the Canadian Tire, um, where somebody, what happened was uh, one of their customers bought a um, something to, I can't remember the exact product, but it was pregnancy related. And then they sent an email to the account, to the email address associated about other pregnancy-related products. And then other people in that person's family found out that they are pregnant. Mm-hmm. That caused a whole chain, like obviously in their personal lives, caused a whole chain of reaction. Yeah. Um, 
So that's definitely the bad side of it, where data, sensitive data, sen sensitive information about somebody can be misused. Um, I don't know what the true balance is. I feel like it comes down to who's looking at the data and how they're working with it, what industry they're working in. I mean, there are, there are different industries too, right? Like when I worked at Reckitt, we had a brand which was um, uh, which was around children. So how do you market to children? You don't. You, you market to the parents, obviously. But then there are very large brands. Um, like at P&G, we had... Um, we had a lot of different products at other companies. There's condoms. Like, how do you market condoms to people? Mm -hmm. um, so I think it just comes down to having sensible people, honestly. I, I don't mm -hmm. know if that's the answer you were looking for. Um, but I think from just data standpoint, I feel like I've personally gone beyond that stage where if I want my privacy, I might as well not have a phone um, or a laptop. Because whether or not these companies ask for your permissions right now, they're still collecting data. And like the companies I've worked for in the future, I mean, past, um, we've used data. We've used like in CPG, we know we can track, um, we can do research to understand how often you use a product, how often you're likely to buy a product. Um, where do you look when you go into the aisle? Um, mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different data that you can utilize as a marketer um, that makes it easier for your company, obviously. Um, but yeah, like, have you guys had any other experiences where just you're either really excited about how data is being used for yourself or you're just more on the privacy side of things? Something we talked about recently, um, actually, Adi, is how algorithms are curating what we see and the right. ideas that are being generated. Um, so especially this is more so relating to platforms like Instagram, TikTok, um, YouTube. And we had a whole conversation in podcast about it, how the algorithm algorithms are tweaking what we see and we're so less exposed to different opinions yeah. and different comments. And I think as a reaction, what's that, what, what that is causing is that people are seeking less and less discomfort. Cause I think even, you know, go back 30, 40 years ago, I think people sought discomfort in conversations Yeah, and it made for a way less polarized world. I think what we're seeing now is people are being curating their feeds so much that they're only hearing the opinions they like and they agree with yeah to the point where that's creating two polar opposites and kind of i wanted to touch on that with you adi is that you're someone who has sought discomfort through all the different careers where does that come from why why do you you know purposefully try to seek discomfort is this is something within you have you ever kind of you know asked the five whys as to why you do seek discomfort you know, you could stay in the same industry and position and grow that skill, but for, yeah. for whatever reason, you decide to constantly switch and try to gain new skills and to seek discomfort, you know? Why Why is that, you think? I, I think for me, it's one thing I've been raised with is you can never have too much information and information can never go bad. Um, whether that is me on YouTube trying to understand where soy sauce how soy sauce is made like the world's most expensive soy sauce is made mm -hmm. how they make it yeah. and the process i think it it just comes down to wanting to learn more and understand more um with respect to like going into more uncomfortable situations i think mm -hmm. when if and when people do get put into uncomfortable situations when you reflect after a certain period you may or may not. For me personally, I've always realized every time where I've done that, that instead of 
staying in the same role, being comfortable, maybe improving myself 5% every year, I probably jumped like a 20% improvement on myself in terms of what I know about the world, what I know about mm. myself. Because when you go into an uncomfortable situation, you realize how you react to that situation as well. Mm. Um, and you realize what you could do better about yourself versus what you couldn't. Um, so I think what the reason I like being in an uncomfortable situation is I, I just find that I'm growing myself as a person a lot more mm. than staying stagnant in one spot. And I feel like more and more people are doing that now. Um, we're kind of gone out of the world where our parents, grandparents used to be in one job for 30, 40, 50 years, mm -hmm. um, which is pretty insane to think about now. Like, uh, I think, I believe in CPG, uh, the industry average for switching companies is three years. So every three years, somebody's moving to a different company mm -hmm. or they're getting promoted with it every two years. So I think we as humans have gotten a lot more curious of wanting to understand the world itself. Mm -hmm. Um, Social media may or may not have played a part in that, but I can definitely relate to you talking about social media and how it it's curated to understanding you feel what you feel and how do you keep drilling that point to yourself. Yeah. So I watched this video. I watched two videos of this person yesterday, and then now my um, Facebook feed is, or not feed, my Facebook video requests are completely filled with that person. Yeah, it's crazy. Or like you think about elections and how the U.S. election was when Trump got elected and this pretty public information on how they utilize data to drive people mm -hmm. a certain way. Um, so I feel like social media definitely has has its pros and cons. And in most cases where it starts polarizing you towards certain topics can be a con. Um, so I totally relate to that. And it can be kind of scary outside at times. I don't want to clash back here, but Adi, just yeah. because we've interviewed the president of L'Oreal and something he said, because he got asked that question in the crowd. He stayed at L'Oreal, I think, for 25 years now. And someone asked him, oh, well, look, the industry is heading in a place where we're constantly switching from place to place. Um, you know, why did you stay with the same company for so long? Right. And he said, well, you can build a really impressive CV going from company to company. But what is the legacy you're building? Right. If you're switching in three years, you're not giving yourself enough time to build something of true value. How, how, how would you respond to that? I'm curious. I guess I would want to understand how do you want, what do you want your legacy to be? Mm. Maybe I think for him having, I, I think it's a fair point. Like if, if you be at a company for 25 years, you are the company like that. You yeah, yeah. are a driving force for that company, especially if you make it to his level. So I think that's totally valid. Um, So is, is your legacy to take a company drive it and do really well at it and if if it's that then for sure like 20 25 years 30 years 40 years mm. you definitely could for some people um like my coworkers, their legacy is their family and they will continue staying at their job they they've told me they don't want a promotion because they're happy where they are they don't want additional responsibility because for them it's more important to have that work-life balance go and spend time mm. with family and that's totally fair i think if and when I do have my own family, I will probably feel the same way where work isn't as important to me anymore. It's more what's mm -hmm. outside of work. And work is just a means to allow me to do other stuff outside of work. So it's it's purely for financial purposes. I'll take the paycheck. I'll, I'll spend it with my family the way I want to. For me, having the legacy means um, 
I, I guess this goes back to an entrepreneurial background with my family, but also just me doing entrepreneurship in school. I know I've always wanted to start something of my own someday. Mm. Um, I don't know when that will be. Um, I don't know what exactly that will be right now. I'm still thinking through that. But for me, having a legacy is getting the right level of experiences till the time I'm confident that I can maybe not fully run a company from every aspect of it, but maybe I can have a very strong understanding of many parts of the business that I can um, look Mm. after. So if I start my own company someday, I can say, I know how sales can work potentially based on my experiences. I can talk to marketing and how that works from my experiences. Maybe what I need is somebody who's more, who who has more expertise than finance and accounting. Um, or if it's a tech product, maybe somebody who knows how to build a product, who's a computer engineer, computer science. Um, so for me, my goal is not to stay at a company, um, to continue staying there and building a legacy. For me, it is getting different experiences and uh, growing myself um, and potentially having starting something off my own someday. So that's that's what it means to me, honestly. And I was love to ask that back to both of you like if you if you think back or think forward to what graduation would look like for you is is that something you our students in general are really curious about if they can get into a company and stay there for a longer time or is it more thinking through what everything else that is out there looking at various options and then kind of picking which way you want to go yeah i think graduation to like law students is something pretty scary to think about because university pretty mark pretty much marks like the end of education for most of us and it also marks the start of having to find a job having more responsibilities having to move somewhere take care of yourself start family and there's a lot that can come after graduation i understand you did four co-op terms and the usual numbers three so got wide range of experiences there i'm wondering like do you need a lot of experience in order to do well after graduation to get your ideal job before he answers do you what do you want to do after graduation oh yeah (laughs) i guess i yeah sorry i guess missed your question um after graduation there's a lot I want to do like I have a lot of dreams aspirations as well to start my own thing to travel around the world and yeah I guess I can't exactly envision what to expect after graduation I think I would just try to grow myself as a person and take on as many opportunities as I can yeah, man, you know, to be, to be honest, Addy, like Brandon's response, I think if you asked around solder would be one of the rarer ones. I think something I've been paying a lot of attention to recently is something that I like to call status games. And I think in a business school and business environment, and I'm sure people in different business schools can relate to this as well. I feel like so much of what people do is just about status and trying to be better than the person yeah. next to you. And although that can be a great motivator and makes you go very high in life, um, I think in terms of a fulfillment setting, it's not necessarily the best. And to be honest, I feel like if you'd ask most people what they want up through graduation, you'd quickly realize after asking the five whys that it's coming from a place of greed or from yeah. a place of status or from a place of proving people wrong. Um, and that's why I think maybe both you and I, we do have that entrepreneurial mindset. And maybe that's, that's something to you, Addy, where 
those status games don't appeal to us as much and we'd much rather perhaps go and start our own thing and deviate from that typical you know i'd say business career path uh let me be the first one to tell both of you that most people don't actually know what they want they think because of the status um so firstly, it's okay to not know what you want. I still don't know mm-hmm. what I want. And I mean, I know I want to start something, but um, I don't know what I want in terms of what it's going to look like, when it is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I graduated, I didn't know what I was going to do, um, even though I had a job. And in terms of status, honestly, been there. I yeah, That's why I honestly interned at the companies I did. Um, that's honestly why I probably went the direction I did after graduation more from a comfort standpoint. Mm. Um, so I get it. Like it's, it's, it, it always seems like people have their shit together. If I'm allowed to say that. Yeah. Uh, Especially when you're at solder. Um, and it seems like everybody knows exactly what they want to do, but what I've found after graduation, most people don't, if you actually talk to people my age or kind of like graduate around the same time. What I'm noticing, which is pretty insane, is the amount of people right now that are just taking a break. They're quitting their jobs. Wow. They won't have anything lined up. Mm-hmm. They just are taking time back because people like me and them got mm-hmm. into companies like Walmart, got into companies like P&G, realized, worked in it for five years, realized, wait, now that I've worked in it, I don't actually think I want to do this. And I wish... I had taken that step back before to actually ask the five wise and understand why I want to do something um, or pursue a particular uh, path. Um, and they're reaching this point where it's like, I'm going to take a step back for myself to take spend some time with myself and understand what I'm going to do, maybe travel a little bit, see the world, mm-hmm. or just broaden my horizons a little bit. And that's what travel can really do for you. Uh, and then make a more informed decision on where I'm going to take my life. So it's it's insane how many people are doing it. Honestly, I'm thinking of doing it too because outside of my work hours, I don't have time to think that much. I don't have that capacity. Mm-hmm. I would love to have something like that. Um, yeah. So honestly, when when I started doing internship, my goal was to get different experiences. So I did like a mm-hmm. construction mid-size, a tech startup, and then PNG and MEC Mac. Um, obviously, um, just to understand what I truly like about myself and I think more students should do that is an internship is not a way for you to get a full-time job an internship is whether it's co-op or not the purpose of an internship is for you to understand what kind of company do you like what Mm -hmm. size of company do you like what size what kind of industry you like Um, the more you understand by yourself the easier it will be for you in the long run Um, and it makes your job search more targeted like I didn't nearly have to apply to as many companies um with all of my internships as people who didn't do internships it was a little bit mm-hmm. tough for them so having that experience is very valuable both for you um in terms of job applications but just understanding yourself and understanding what drives you what motivates you yeah. that's interesting because even you said there that the reason you know a hidden reason as to why you were applying for all these big names and big companies was right. to you know have that on your cv like it's something yeah. you can you know have over somebody else and you, but you said that was before and that's how you thought before. So if we look in or dig into when you made that switch to work at where you're working now, which is something a bit more niche and, you know, not as grandiose, but maybe perhaps you have a 
better position and can actually create more impact. How did you go about kind of having that realization or or switch? Um, so the way my career path went since graduation, when I started at Walmart, you know, super excited rotation program, got to jump mm-hmm. around different teams, yeah, uh, in different experiences. So that was great in terms of just getting various exper- uh, various experience, and. Then we all got laid off. Like the entire program got laid off. People, wow. people before me. So that was like 30 people. They just canceled the program. Wow. Um, and for me, I went into, uh, what do you call it? Um, response mode, which is I need to get another job right away. Uh, whether or not I have severance, it doesn't matter. I need another job right away. So then I ended up at another CPG, which is Reckit. And they're also a very big name, especially in Asian countries like Mm-hmm. Myself, probably you've heard of Airwick, like yeah. they, some pretty big brands. Um, so I started working there and I realized three-ish months into the job that I wasn't actually learning much more and mm-hmm. not from an arrogant standpoint that I outgrew the job, but I feel like the more conversations I had, the more repetitive those conversations were. Every time I have a conversation, it's about Walmart, Costco, and Loblaws in Canada. Mm. Three people you think about, and that's it. So you're always thinking about how do you make them happy, or how do you sell mm. a product into those customers? How do you get their support? And it just got so repetitive for me. And I realized mm. this is like the exact opposite in terms of what I want. I I don't like the repetition. I like something a lot more different where I can continue trying new skills, um, but also just having an impact on people. As compared to selling Lysol, now I actually work with um, childcare management or childcare managers, so daycares. Um, we save them time so that they can spend time, more time with children and take care of children, develop them. Um, so it became a, it became a lot more impactful since moving. Um, but I think it just it has to come internally. It has to come from reflection at the end of the day, um, and a lot of. A lot of the positive changes I've made in my life have been all through reflection. You know, almost getting kicked out of solder in first year. I uh, reflected on how that happened and then improved myself for a second, third, fourth year, fifth year. Um, so all of these like moments where I've been down, the reflection piece is really mm-hmm. what made me um, get a better understanding of myself. Would you say like that's, is that something you would, possibly relate to as well in terms of how you're in school right now you finish your first year now you're in second year like do you guys reflect a lot on how first year was how do you you know what what are you going to do going forward yeah definitely I, I i take the time to journal even something i had like a recent thought we were able to interview like quite a nice selection of guests recently um and i kind of realized like after we've had the interviews that wow like we, we actually built something and it's, it hasn't even been a year yet. And we've interviewed all these amazing people. Right. And I was just such in the grind of, you know, next guest, next guest, next guest, bigger, bigger, bigger team, better this, better that, that I don't actually take a moment just to appreciate as well as that's something I've been trying to kind of work on. But yeah, even just a reflection of, you know, what can I do better? What objectives um, can I set? And something, I don't know if I shared this to you, um, but I had this thought, I, I, I was on a, on a trip talking about you know importance of taking a break sometimes to generate new ideas yeah but most of us i think expect our lives to go in an exponential way but in order for that to happen it's important for us to have tangent lines along the curve and what those tangent lines are it's our ability to 
have an intention into our two-year, five-year, and 10-year plan. And it's fine for those for that those plans to change. And they're supposed to change because or else you would just have a linear function with your life and you want right. it to be exponential. So those plans need to change over time. But what I realized about reflection, it's that it's important to always come out with a conclusion of what do I kind of envision for myself within the next two, five, and 10 years? And that always gives you a North Star, if you wish. I don't know. Did, did I share that with you or? No, it's not you're hearing it. Yeah, for side. Yeah, I guess reflection is really essential to self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And recently I heard someone talk about like, it was, it was some blurb on the internet and they were mentioning how when you want to solve a math problem, take out a piece of paper, get a pencil, and you write down the problem and you try to solve it out that way. Mm. So why don't we do the same thing with life? Yeah. Because oftentimes people, it's like people try to do mental math when they right. try to calculate like what they want in their life. Everything is in their head and that's all they think about. They don't really translate it into paper. They don't look deeper and they don't write out how they want what mm. they have envisioned it in their mind and realize like Adam really pushed me to like do journal to do journaling to like write down my thoughts and figure out through that like I was really able to gain a better understanding of self-awareness understand areas that I may want to change in my life where I'm not comfortable with or areas where I may want to improve on Mm. and yeah find that self-reflection piece is really valuable to understanding the person you are. Even our marketing director, uh, I remember I was talking to her at the beginning of the semester and she was saying, oh, in my no guy phase, no relationship phase. And she felt like I had this feeling like she was kind of, you know, not knowing what she wanted. So I, I said, just sit down, write down what you want in a guy. And two weeks later, she found that guy and now turned a relationship together, which I find so funny. And again, it goes back to this concept of just ask yourselves the five whys. Like, what do you want? You know, why do you want this? Just taking that time, but we just don't take our times. We just, life happens so fast and we just go through it without pausing. Yeah, yeah, response. You get into, you, you're just responding to your environment and what's happening. And like, you guys are always already one-upping me. I don't even have a journal. I just do everything in here, which is not healthy whatsoever. Mm. Like, in a work context, actually, like, sometimes there's so many tasks and I genuinely get anxious and overwhelmed and then it just stops me from working but what i've started doing over the last year is i'll actually i have a book next to me um i'll write it down and once it's on paper i know exactly what i'm doing or exactly yeah. what's done for every project and I'm like perfect you know that just just the fact that i put it down put everything that's on my mind into paper um goes such a long way um so i'm also not surprised like in terms of relationships like that that could definitely be impactful um, and something you said, Brandon, that really resonated is reflection is very important for awareness, self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and that's that's kind of what a lot of the conversation has been about is being aware of yourself. Yeah. Um, what do you like about yourself? What is good about you? What do you where are your weak points? Um, not just professionally, but personally, from a skill set standpoint, how are you a good communicator or is that something you could improve on? And that goes into your personal life. Do you communicate with people in your personal lives really well? Um, so a lot of it just comes down to reflecting with the goal of understanding yourself. 
Um, otherwise, yeah, like you said, Adam, we go into this response mode where mm-hmm. stuff's just coming at us, and then we're we're thinking of, okay, this has come. How am I gonna How am I gonna respond to it? What am I gonna do? And then you immediately just go into the next steps and start trying to solve whatever issue has come up. Um, so this is a very interesting point. Yeah. For the final question on the podcast, we'd like to get your thoughts on a quote left by the previous guest. And this guest is founder of Sexual Violence Prevention and Response Organization. And the quote goes, everyone must choose between one of two pains, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. What are your thoughts? Oh, that is a heavy question. I don't know. Um, I'm going to have to think about that one. Did you did you have any response to that? Like, do do you think it's a balance of both or is it just one or the other? I think for me, it's like the fear of regretting something, the fear of not taking an opportunity drives me to actually take the opportunity. And although I'm not like perfect person, I'm not like perfectly disciplined. I do think that aiming for the discipline aspect of it um, comes with better sense of like self-fulfillment comes with Mm. more personal satisfaction than perhaps going on your phone and scrolling through TikTok. I think a lot of successful people are able to delay gratification. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what the quote aims to do is delay gratification, be disciplined, and then you won't regret it in the future. And it's interesting to say that in a world where instant gratification is becoming more and more prevalent. So yeah, it's it's interesting to see what, you know, the generation right now that's being bred through Instagram at the age yeah. of five years old, how they're going to shape society in 20 years from now. Um, yeah. and even I think people are moving, going back to our conversation, just at such a fast pace and not actually thinking. I think a lot of the problems in the world maybe stem from that. We like humans don't take the time to think anymore. Yeah, and w- when you say instant gratification, it it kind of reminds me of um, Tim Silk. He teaches um, third mm-hmm. year, third and fourth year courses, I believe. Yeah. I took courses with him, and one of the things in the final class, which is a life class, so he's just basically giving you life advice. And one of the things he said, the generation now, including like us, mm-hmm. like you, me, everyone, we're always concerned with work-life balance. Yeah. And he said it in a much more crude way, just knowing him. But yeah, the point was, is instant gratification is what people are striving for with work-life balance. The, his recommendation was when you graduate, grind for like three to five years. Because that grind is going to put you at a much, be- much better advantage in the, in the long run. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a case to be made where, you know, YOLO and, you know, life can happen and all that. But yeah. Um, it kind of resonated to instant gratification where we're always trying to leave jobs and go for something else because it seems more exciting, pays better, titles better maybe. Mm. Um, so you're always trying to fulfill that part of you. Um, and that comes from an area of, I don't want to regret this opportunity that is in front of me. Um, or or really taking the time to think that, hey, I'm leaving for not, I mean, I'm leaving for the pay, but not really taking the time to think like if I leave, how will it impact the trajectory of my career or my personal life? Um, I think where I 
come from personally, Brandon, similar to you, is the fear of regret. Um, for me, it's I'd rather do something and fail, but I'll take the experience that I got. Um, and if I fail from it, I'll learn, I'll improve on myself. And then in the end, if I use that failure as a success or a stepping stone to something else, for me personally, it's not a failure. It's more a success as well, because you need to go through certain experiences in your life to reach a certain stage. Um, and that comes with instant gratification. Uh, stopping the process of seeking instant gratification and wanting no. something good all the time rather than saying it will happen you know and that's similar to starting a business like if your first five years it's it's a well-known truth you're not making money um in mm. the first few years of starting a business you're probably not going to have funding in the first few years no. uh, you won't might not even have a salary or turning a profit and eventually you will but you have to keep going until then and that's just the nature of owning your own business um, so yeah, like Brandon, to your point, I think I'm, I'm more on that side as well. Um, I mean, I assume at the end of the day, someone's going to come and say it's a balancing act. It always mm -hmm. is. So many things in life are just a balancing act and it's, you can't pick and choose between one or the other. Thank you so much, Adi. Thank you, Adi.